The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. You'll remain standing and turn your Bibles in the book of Ex- to the book of Exodus. Actually, I'm going to let you see it. This is a long text. Apologies. Exodus. We've reached chapter 29, page 69 in the... Uh, Pew Bibles, and we're going to look at the entire chapter of Exodus chapter 29, a lengthy one, but let's give good good attention to this, the public reading of God's Word, Exodus chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests, Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the and the ephod and the breastpiece, and gird him with a skillfully woven band of the ephod, and you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them, and you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them, and the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall take part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp it is a sin offering. Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and shall take its blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. You shall also 
Take the fat from the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the right thigh, for it is a ram of ordination, and one loaf of bread and one cake of bread made with oil and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. You shall put all these on the palms of Aaron and on the palms of his sons and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Then you shall take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the Wave offering that is waved in the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination and what was Aaron's and his sons. It shall be for Aaron and as his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel, for it is a contribution. It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from their peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place, shall wear them seven days. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. They shall eat those things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration. But an outsider shall not eat of them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh for the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you, through seven days shall you ordain them. And every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement, and you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it, and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altar shall become shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of fine flour mingled with a fourth of a hin of beaten oil and a fourth of a hin of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it a grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord where I will meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting in the altar Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Amen. That's far the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing as we, as we look to his word. Let's pray. Heaven and earth will pass away. 
Oh, Lord, but uh, your word will never pass away. And we pray, Lord God, as we, as we look to you again this evening that you would come to us and bless us. Uh, cause your word once again to be for us a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray that you would use your blessed holy word in our lives, even to conform us unto the image of our holy high priest, our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Well, we've continued considering that pattern shown to Moses on the mountain. That is all that God prescribed, all that God commanded uh, pertaining to the things of the holy place, the tabernacle. Remember how we uh, have learned that that the tabernacle really was, it was like a a picture, kind of like a, a snapshot of heaven on earth. Last week, we considered those special heavenly garments which were made for the priests, for Aaron and his sons to draw near unto the Lord, to minister in the holy place. We saw how they needed to be clothed in those holy garments. Well, this evening, we learned that not only did their garments need to be holy, they themselves needed to be consecrated, set apart as holy. And this happened not only by dressing them up in the garments, that was just one component of a very elaborate process which we have before us in our text, a process whereby they would be consecrated and ordained for the important ministry to which the Lord was calling them. Ordination. Very soon our brother, Matthew Ezel, will be ordained into the gospel ministry. It's good for us to think this evening a little bit about ordination. This is the very first time we see the word ordain in the entire Bible. It was actually last chapter, verse 41 of 28, that kind of set the stage for what we see in our text here. And so we see that word ordain two more times. That Hebrew word ordain literally means to fill their hand. To fill the hand, ordination would, would serve to place in the hands of the priests those priestly responsibilities, place them under their control. It was to put the work in their hands. Children, you can think of it this way uh, to help, help the children understand it. I heard a preacher use this example. It's kind of like if your, your mom decides to give you some work, maybe your job is going to be to sweep the house, she may give that broom and place it in your hands. There it is. The work has been placed in your hands. You've been ordained unto the work of of sweeping the kitchen floor. Uh, Ordained as well as as consecrated. Consecration, another important word. We've seen that word before. To consecrate is to, to set aside for a holy purpose. Well, Aaron and his sons... His sons, even unto future generations, were to be consecrated and ordained as priests. And so that's much of what this text is about. The first 37 verses are primarily about that. But the chapter is not only about that. It's also about the consecration of the tabernacle, verses 38 through 43. I'm following one particular commentator Douglas Stewart with respect to those verse divisions, though as we see it's not, it's not quite that precise. But at any rate, so we, we have properly ordained and consecrated priests to minister in a properly consecrated tabernacle and to what end? To that great end that there would be consecrated or properly consecrated fellowship between the Lord and and his people. And that's what we read about the end of the text there, verses 44 
through 46. Our message this evening, then, is just that, that the Lord gave instructions about a consecrated priesthood and tabernacle in order to have consecrated fellowship with his people. Let's consider then that first point, our our first point, simply to look at the consecration and ordination of the priests. Again, verses 1 through 37 or thereabouts. This is the bulk of our text. There's a lot here. We won't cover it in extensive detail. But what we see here is that the the very ministry which the priests would be be performing for others, they would first need performed for them. You know, those words which we recited from this evening's, uh, for the, the affirmation of faith, Heidelberg uh, number 31, they remind us so well that the consecration and ordination of Israel's priests did serve to typify. They were typological. They, they pointed forward as something of a prophetic sim, uh, symbol to Christ's ordination as our eternal high priest. But of course, these these precursors to Christ, if you will, they were not as Christ is. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27 tells us that, that Christ would have no need first to deal with his own sin because Christ was the sinless one. These priests were not sinless. And so be, before being able to intercede on behalf of sinners, they would need their own sin dealt with And that is what we see reflected in so much of what's in our text this evening. This ordination slash consecration process, it would involve a lot of blood. The first three verses tell us what items would be needed for ordination. What do we see there? Well, it starts with a bull and two rams, a bull and two rams, and note those words in verse one, without blemish. Without blemish, and note those, those words in verse 2, unleavened, the bread, the cakes mixed with oil and the wafers, all of these were to be mixed with fine wheat flour, and all of them would have no leaven. Leaven, of course, symbolizes sin, uncleanness. So at this point, what we see is, at least at this particular point, it's not the priests who typify Christ, but it is the items for sacrifice, the sacrificial animals and even the, the bread offerings. Unblemished animals slaughtered on the altar to deal with the sin of the priests. And unleavened, so clean, food offerings. We know that it all, of course, points to that perfect offering which which Jesus would offer in offering himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so these would-be priests, what were they? They were filthy sinners who would need to be made clean. We see that further then by what would have to happen before they could be dressed in that priestly garb. Verse 4 tells us that they would be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting and they would be washed with water. The filth of their sins had to be washed away. Only then could they be clothed with those holy garments. We saw last time how those, those holy garments were something of a picture of the, the, the clothing we all need, the, the righteousness of Christ with which we are clothed in our justification. Well, it would also serve to invest the priest with the authority to carry out his priestly duties. The priest would not be handed a broom, right? Instead, he would be clothed. These were 
They were clothed with garments. We might uh, call them garments of investiture. Garments of investiture, as it were, unto their sacred office. Note also the oil in verse 7. It was common in the Old Testament, we see, for ordination unto an office to, to involve uh, anointing with oil. And so anointing oil would be poured out on Aaron's head, not just a few drops, mind you, poured out. Keep that image in your mind. The pouring out of the oil. Think of Psalm 133, verse 2, which describes this as something that's precious, right? The, the precious oil on the head, it would run down the beard and, and, and down, on the collar, uh, uh, down on the collar of Aaron's robes. In verses 8 and 9, we see that not just Aaron, but, but Aaron's sons would also be clothed in their simpler, as we saw last week, simpler uh, garments. So one high priest, but then a number of, of priests, regular priests. We see at the end of verse 9 and, and as also all the way down in uh, verses 29 through 30, we see that, that all of this would serve then officially to give the priesthood to Aaron and to his sons after him. And so the holy garments would be passed on to future succeeding sons of Aaron, high priests and priests who would also be ordained unto the office. Verse 10, we see that, that after being clothed with the priestly garb, the ceremony would not be over. In some ways, it's at that point that the, we see the most graphic symbolism for the removal of sin, sin removal. So we see the sacrifices of those three animals, a bull and two rams. Note that with all three sacrifices, there's this, this, this act where, the, where Aaron and his sons would actually place their hands on the heads of the animal. This would picture their sins being transferred from them onto the animal who would die as a substitute, as it were. Verses 10 through 14, we see that the bull was offered as a sin offering or a purification offering. Sinners need to be purified, and that was pictured. That was pictured even by the altar needing to be purified. So some blood was to be placed on the horns of the altar. The rest was poured out at the base. We see that the fat parts of the different internal organs were were symbolically offered to the Lord, to Yahweh as his portion. So they were to be burned up on the altar, verse 13. They They were given to the Lord. The useless parts were to be burned outside the camp, verse 14. Then in verses 15 through 18, we see that one ram was burned as a burnt sacrifice. This, this was an atonement sacrifice. It served to make atonement for sin. The blood was to be thrown against the sides of the altar, verse 16. And then the entire animal was to be cut up and washed so that its parts then could be, all of them together, I presume, kind of stacked up properly on the altar and completely burned, verses 17 and 18. Why was that? Why was it so important? Well, remember we saw last time the entire animal was to be, to be transformed by fire into smoke, as we see in verse 18. And so the smoke was to, to ascend. It was to waft up into heaven as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. 
And then verses 19 through 28, the other ram was to be offered as a, a ram, a ram of ordination, as we see it called twice, verse 22 and 27. See that again, blood was to be thrown against the altar, verse 20. But note here, in, in the ordination sacrifice, some of the blood was then to be placed on Aaron and his sons themselves. To be placed on the tips of the right ears, as well as the thumbs of the right hands, as well as the big toe, uh, big toes of the right feet. And so these, these parts symbolize the entire man being ordained as priest. And then verse 21, we see that their garments were to be sprinkled with blood, along with, once again, the anointing oil. And so this would serve to, to consecrate both them as well as their garments. Now note that for the ordination sacrifice, rather than, than burning the entire animal, the whole ram on the altar, certain parts were offered to the Lord with the bread, verses 22 to 25, but the breast and thigh was then to be actually eaten by the priests. We see in verse 26, it was a, a wave offering, kind of like Pastor Hulse was waving the flyer earlier. They would actually take it and uh, wave it. It's a way of offering it to the Lord, waving it back and forth, but then the Lord would graciously give it back to the priests for them to eat. We also see that this was called a, a peace offering. Now, jumping down to verses 31 to 34, we see that, that those sacrificial meat portions given to the priests, they were holy. And so the meat was to be boiled, boiled not just anywhere, but boiled in a holy place, verse 31, and it was to be eaten in a holy place there at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse 33, we see that only the priests were to eat of them. They were holy. No outsider was to eat of that meat, that sacrifice. In fact, any part which was not eaten was to take in and it was to be burned, verse 34. So, so extra ordination meat was not to be passed out and used uh, as leftovers. We see that all this was to be carefully followed. Note that the, the process lasted seven days, verse 35. And part of the reason for this does tie into our second point this evening. Let's move on to that. Not only do we see the consecration then of the priests, but we see secondly the consecration of the tabernacle itself. This is verses 38 through through 43, though really we see it even earlier than that. We see it with the, the consecration of the altar in verses 36 and 37, for example. In fact, notice in verse 37 that there's this, this process of seven days, even for making atonement for and consecrating the altar. Uh, there's disagreement about whether these seven days uh, referred to in verse 37, whether these are the very same seven days we read about in verse 35, the seven days of consecrating the altar. Are these the same seven days as the consecration of ordina- or, uh, the ordination service, or is this uh, two separate seven-day ceremonies? Either way, there's this very important, complete seven-day event. But just stop and think on this. Think for a moment, brothers and sisters, of the the amazing act, the great work of God in consecrating that holy place 
It had to be a special place. It had to be consecrated as holy for the holy God to dwell there. This was a great work of consecration which only God himself could do. It's his work. It's his presence. It's his glory we we see which serves to make the holy place holy. Think about those words we see at the end of verse 43. It shall be sanctified by my glory. Verse 44, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. What an amazing thing. What a glorious thing. What a great work of consecration. We are very great sinners and our very presence defiles. This is such an important thing. I think we need to learn from from the text this evening. I I suppose the recent uh, pandemic, the COVID pandemic, gives us a kind of, I think, a powerful illustration as we think about our sinfulness, as we think about defilement, especially with some of our misunderstandings or we we didn't know everything we came to know. Do you remember in the the beginning when we were so paranoid about the amazing transmissibility of the virus? I remember how how, how worried we were. I remember when the neighbor, neighbor's cat came over and was on our back porch and poor Jacob went out innocently petting this cat and the cat was purring and rubbing up against his legs and all of a sudden I had a panic moment and I thought, no, the neighbors could have COVID and maybe they spread their COVID onto the cat. Jacob, you know, you may be contaminated. Stop. We're going to take your clothes off you. Those clothes are contaminated. Bathe the poor kid with water. I remember thinking that way. We were bringing our mail into the house and thinking, okay, leave it there. Don't touch it. Or packages, surely it's all contaminated. And then thankfully we came to realize it's not spread that easily and we were being overly cautious. But I think that that, that sort of helps us understand something that is true about us as sinners. Our sinfulness and its defiling presence that I think is part of the reason for what we see really throughout the text. The way blood had to be placed everywhere, placed on the horns of the altar, poured out at the base. Uh, blood had to be thrown against the sides of the altar. But part of the, the idea here is that there needed to be this continual cleansing of the tabernacle because of the contact with, indeed, the very presence of sinful people causing defilement. We do well to think about that, brothers and sisters, our sinful, defiling presence. Let that picture, let that thought serve as a powerful counterforce to our our propensity to think too highly of ourselves. We think too little of our sin, and we think too highly of ourselves. If you find yourself a person this evening who struggles with with spiritual pride, you know, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you, walk into the church and you see yourself and would like others to to, to see you or think of you as being the one especially holy. Look how godly I am. Look at all of my spiritual knowledge. Look at my great wisdom. Look at my great spiritual disciplines. If you need a remedy for such pride, think of yourself this way. I'm the one who comes into the sanctuary and I defile the place. Just my presence defiles the place, when we think that way, when we see ourselves that way, that's when the grace of Christ becomes so precious to us. And that grace is pictured so beautifully by what we see in our text this evening. Instructions of verses 38 through 43, the Lord was, was making provision for 
the permanent daily consecration and offering for the tabernacle. So it seems there was to be this initial seven-day ceremony, but, but that was to begin what would be a permanent practice. Verse 38 tells us how the priest was to offer on the altar two lambs, a year old, day by day, regularly. One in the morning, one in the evening, as we see in, in verse 39. They were to be to offered together with the verse 40, the fine flour and beaten oil, as well as the wine. So in addition to that, that sacrificial lamb offering, there was to be a, a grain offering as well as a drink offering, but twice a day. They were to do it in the morning. They were to repeat it in the evening, verse 41. Every day, continually, throughout their generations, as verse 42 says. And so right there, just imagine, right there at the entrance of the tent of meeting, there was to be this continual reminder. Yes, a reminder of the sinner's need of cleansing, but the tabernacle's need of cleansing because of the defilement of sinners The very environment of meeting with the Lord needed continually cleansed and consecrated. Cleansing and consecration. That, brothers and sisters, is what Christ does for us. And oh, how we need it. We need cleansed. We need consecrated. Even in this new covenant age where Christ has offered himself as the greater once for all sacrifice, we know that we continually need our our sins washed away. That's why as a regular part of our worship, we we read the law and we think about our sin and we look to Christ and he, he comes to us and he washes us and he makes us clean. We don't kill a bull. We don't sprinkle or pour out blood at the base of the communion table. Imagine the carpet cleaning bills we'd be accumulating if if we did that. But no, we look to Christ. We trust in his once for all perfect sacrifice on the cross, that, that blood that speaks a far better word than the blood of bulls or goats or rams. And we glory in the truth that in the same way that 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 oil which was poured out upon Aaron's head and ran down his beard and onto his robe, the, the, the the oil of the Holy Spirit takes the merits of Christ's sacrifice. It takes the blood and it applies it to us. We glory in the truth that the Holy Spirit has been given without limit. Oh, how lavishly God has, Christ has poured out upon us his spirit And it applies to us the cleansing and the consecrating blood of Jesus. Jesus washes away all of our filth. Jesus consecrates our worship place. What would be an environment of pure defilement is actually transformed into a place of blessing. What amazing grace. Maybe COVID helped us out by teaching us in some ways to see ourselves as those who have breath that is poisonous, right? Put on a mask. Well, spiritually speaking, without Christ, so it is. Even our singing, even our praying, all that we do would be defiled by sin. Without Christ, we would be spewing forth poison-infected carbon dioxide. But I think that the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Christ such that, that everything we do, our worship in Him, our worship All of the sacrifices, uh, all the worship we bring are are like sacrifices. They're like the morning and the evening sacrifices taken and they ascend up to God and are found by him to be pleasing, even a, a pleasing aroma to our God.
Note, by the way, this is the first place in the Bible where we learn about the morning and the evening sacrifice. Every day, all of the sacrifices of the tabernacle, they were all sort of enclosed by these two bookends, as it were, of the the morning and the evening sacrifice. And that, by the way, is why we gather on the Lord's Day, both in the morning and the evening. Morning worship, evening worship. These are the two sacrifices, as it were, which serve as, as bookends for all of our Lord's Day worship and rest. But again, that morning and evening sacrifice, that was the Lord's provision for the permanent daily consecration of the tabernacle. So consecrated priesthood and consecrated tabernacle. To what end? What goal? What was the goal? What was the purpose of it all? Our last point, the goal of consecrated fellowship, God with his people, the Lord with his people in fellowship forever. This is the last section, verses 44 through 46. So really, we see it all everywhere. We can back up to verse 43 where it says, there I will meet with the people of Israel. As we jump down to verse 46, we're reminded that this is everything, isn't it? This captures the, the purpose of the message of Exodus. This, this speaks to the glorious end, the purpose of the deliverance out of Egypt. God is saying essentially, when they are brought into that, into that consecrated fellowship with me, when I dwell among them, then they will know. As it says there, then they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. There's the covenant formula, right? Verse 45, I will dwell among the people of Israel and I will be their God. They will be my people and I will be their God. What a glorious thought. Just bask in that blessed thought this evening, brothers and sisters. This is what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. He is your ordained and consecrated high priest and the fruit of his finished work and the fruit of his ongoing work as your high priest, the one who ever lives to intercede on your behalf. The fruit of his finished work will be that consecrated tabernacle in glory where you will dwell with God in consecrated fellowship with him forever and ever. Wonderfully pictured, really pictured even by what the priests were enjoying as they were, they were in a sense brought into fellowship with God in a, a special holy way, eating with God, enjoying the, the ordination offering and the peace offering. Uh, we, we are at peace with God in fellowship with him. We eat his holy food in his holy place. That's what you and I enjoy even now in union with Christ and will for all eternity. Yes, bask in the glory. Bask in the glory and by way of application this evening, live in and live out of that fellowship even now. This ought to move us, this ought to move every every one of us unto consecrated devotion to the Lord. And that daily morning and evening sacrifice, it really is a a beautiful picture of the the total life lived, consecrated unto God, lived in total fellowship with the Lord. I was thinking about this and 
this week, the morning, the evening sacrifice, and I kept thinking back to this children's Christian song written by John Fisher, the all-day song, love him in the morning, love him in the evening, and love him in the in-between time. Uh, uh, We are called to love God every moment, and that's pictured by the, the beginning of the day, the ending of the day, and every bit in between, from the morning to the evening sacrifice, consecrated devotion that flows out of God's steadfast love and faithfulness is reflected in Christ, who again, by the merits of his sacrifice and its application by the Holy Spirit, continually washes us, cleanses us, purifies us, consecrates us unto God, and he calls us. He calls us then by the grace and power of the same Holy Spirit to live lives that are wholly consecrated unto him, to live wholly unto him. We think of it this way, in Christ, God has given himself wholly unto us. He's given himself to be our God. He has claimed us as his people. He's given himself wholly unto us that, that we might be holy. His, that we might give ourselves wholly unto him. Brothers and sisters, do you hear that call? Don't hold back, right? Give yourselves wholly unto him. Give him everything, not just a small part of your Lord's day. Give him the entire day. And that one in seven Lord's Day devotion is a symbol of an entire life that is offered up to God as a living sacrifice, 24-7. The Lord is calling us this evening to, to see our to, to offer our lives in the words of the psalmist as a, as a means of praise. Psalm 113, verse 1, from the rising of the sun until its setting. There's the morning and the evening sacrifice. From the rising of the sun until its setting, let my life be under the praise. In my life, may the name of the Lord be praised. Or to use the words of the hymnist which we'll sing in just a little bit. Take my life, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Those are good words. Make those words your song, your prayer, your great desire, because God has and will grant that desire now and for all eternity as he sanctifies you more and more until that great day when you will enter into the presence of him who is your ordained and consecrated high priest into that place where you, that consecrated tabernacle where you will dwell in consecrated fellowship with him forever and ever. Let's pray together. Lord, would you do that work in us by the power of your spirit, even through your word, as we've received it this day. We do praise you, we bless you for a high priest in Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that his word, his true word, which uh, we have heard even now, would fill our hearts and our minds, yes, by the work of the Spirit. Do forgive us of all of our sins, uh, cleanse us of all of our defilement, all of our uh, uh, sin by his precious blood, and help us indeed, Lord God, then to live that, that life of consecrated devotion to which you've called us in fellowship with you. May Christ so dwell in us so richly that we would become more and more like him and abound in all of the fruit of your spirit and walk in those good works to which you've called us for your glory. We ask for this in Jesus' name.
Amen.